The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome back once again to Nitro Nights, a WCW Look Back podcast proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. And it has been a little while, hasn't it? And we'll get into that in a moment, because first of all, I want to introduce the newest member to the Nitro Nights team joining us for this project, where we're going to look back at every Nitro, every Thunder, every pay-per-view, every Clash of Champions, blah, 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 all in order from, well, where we've got up to now up to when WCW goes out of business in 2001. Joining me is the wonderful voice from Rantomeisters. It's only our good buddy, Ben. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, my man. I'm good. Thank you very much. Very thrilled to uh, be invited to join this project. So um, very nice to be here. Thank you. Awesome stuff, mate. You're a bit poorly, though, aren't you? You're a bit sniffly, a bit coffee. I am. I'm a bit full of cold, a bit coffee, a bit of um, sexy phlegm. So I'm even yeah. more... I'm even more sultry than usual with my toes. <laughs> I'm joining us for your first episode of Nitro Nights, feeling a little bit under the weather, and we give you this shit Nitro to watch. <laughs> so I apologise on, on, on that start, but we'll, we'll dive into the show uh, shortly yeah. in our usual format. But basically, um, it, it's it's brilliant having you along. I'm over the moon that uh, you know we sort of we sort of had this conversation, and you, me, yeah. and Danny sort of came to the decision that this is what we wanted to do going forward. Um, we are basically going to be a three man team going forward. So whereas every previous episode of Nitro Nights has been Danny and I, and maybe the odd one here and there with a guest, uh, sometimes I'm unavailable uh, for a little while. On the restart, Danny won't be available. And there's going to be occasions, obviously, where Ben's not available. So we're hoping that having the three of us interchanging on the podcast, looking at different shows, different nitros and so on, as we as we have done with the show's uh, previous process that we were doing, we will be able to just continue this project right the way through. And secondly, it gives Danny an opportunity to sort a few things out his end whilst we restart the show now. Uh, and, and that's basically the gist of it. And there will, of course, be occasions going forward that I'm very much looking forward to where all three of us are involved, hopefully for some of the pay-per-views. I, I, hopefully that works out for pay-per-view events and so on. But hmm. yeah, so I suppose before we dive into this uh, this episode of Nitro, which is just going to follow on directly from where we left off previously, where we went on our hiatus from the last episode of Nitro Nights, um, Ben, what sort of past knowledge or past fandom do you have of WCW itself? Because a big selling point for me when this when this project started was the mm. fact that Danny hadn't seen any of it. So it was intriguing getting his mindsets and so on. So I, I know nothing of your fandom. Uh, so yeah, talk us through. 
I will before I say it, I will say big love to Danny. Yes, I, I, hope he, I hope he's doing all right, and I'm I'm looking forward to when it, you've got the full sort of Heenan, Shivani, Tanay three man booth that we'll have going on when he's, <laughs> when he's back up and running. But so before the, we go on, then you, which one? Yeah. Who's who? Who's who in that three man team? <laughs> oh, Danny, Danny is uh, Shivani. I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I think you were you were definitely Heenan. Right. Uh, okay. I, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm Tanay. Or Ben okay. A, I suppose it should be. <laughs> I'll go along with that. I'll go along with that. Yeah, okay. fair enough. That's that's my view. Um, so WCW, I'm very much in the same boat as uh, uh, as Danny. I I didn't watch Nitro at all. Um, obviously, I knew of it, and in more recent years, I've known of the history, and I'm fascinated by like the history of the Monday Night Wars in general. Anyway, but at the time, didn't watch any of it. Um, okay. When it was sort of first on, I think I said I've said to you in sort of text that we've had, I wasn't aware of it being on a channel. I was I was WWF through and through, still am to this day. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, Nitro. I, I sort of managed to catch a few when it was sort of late two thousand, maybe right. early two thousand one. By then, it was really sort of dead in the water. So um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I never, never, really, never really watched it in the heyday. So this is going to be interesting for me and in watching some of it back. I'm obviously aware of all the politics around it all the people most of the people anyway um uh-huh. and it's really interesting i've uh yeah the, the, this episode was um odd but uh coming off a big pay-per-view i was sort of uh didn't really know what to expect <laughs> and i think yeah. that might be a recurring theme with nitro in, the, in a few years well what danny and i have noticed is i mean i i love wcw but it's not necessarily from a, a perspective of watching it first time round when it aired live and i didn't have access to the uh, channels and so on but i've gone back and watched it all and and, and you know, many many years ago and whereas obviously as we said danny hasn't watched any of it buying bits and bobs for for certain shows so what we've noticed with the weekly television is how much wwe has almost had like a revisionist history so oh, whenever they yeah whenever they release a dvd about how uh, certain things happened with the sting storyline or the nwo storyline uh, and so on and then obviously the 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 falling apart of the NWO, which we're going to come to in later episodes, of course, it's very different watching the weekly TV and watching all of the weekly TV and picking up it's on. Been, always, it's always been their spin on what actually happened. Yes, they, of course. They're always going to play at the fact that they won the war. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, watching it, I think we'll paint a. Uh, from from that perspective, watching it from a WCW point of view, mm. it's going to paint a different view of it totally. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, there's going to be some very interesting conversations. I feel, but anyway, getting back to our Nitro Nights timeline, the last episode we released all those many, many, many moons ago was looking at the 1996 edition of the World War Three pay per view. So this is the fallout from that, or so we would have thought. <laughs> but that's not necessarily the case <laughs> so this is the monday nitro that first aired on the 25th of november 1996 it comes to us from the wicomico civic center if i've said that properly in maryland and... I, mean, I, I wasn't even going to try and uh, say it <laughs> uh, it received a 3.1 on the television ratings compared to monday night raw which received a 2.1 because obviously at the moment we're very much in the middle of the big run of Nitro winning week after week after week. I think I think the whole of 97, it carries on that way as well. Um, but May, May 98, because to May 98. May 98. 
There we go. There we go. I know it goes back and forward a couple of weeks as well, but again, those have been interesting given looking at the ratings every week because the, the revisionist WWF history tells you that Nitro sneaked in there, won for a while because the NWO was hot, and then it all fell apart and WWF smashed into pieces. They were winning before this long run, and WWF were struggling and only winning here and there. And that's been interesting as well. So it's as simple as the ratings, but. Yeah, so the show opens with our commentary duo for the first hour of Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone. They inform us that we're having a contract signing, well, a replay of the contract signing from the World War Three pay-per-view between Rand, uh, so I was going to say Randy Hogan. They, you know, that's, not, that's something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm me. I'd watch Randy Hogan, like so. Yeah. <laughs> Friend of the show. Um, <laughs> uh, Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan, not Randy Hogan, uh, for their title match coming up, which, well, they have a match, but it's not necessarily a title match. But I mean, that, that angered me. First of the, Literally, the first thing they say, oh, we're going to re-show what, the, what we played last night. Why? And also, also from a business standpoint, this is before everything was obviously on demand. You know, so yeah. like on the streaming, like the network, you can watch stuff whenever you want, can't you? And even even before the network was a thing, you could watch regular replays of pay per views via Sky or Virgin Media or whatever you were using. This is before all that. So you had your day to your pay per view, and then you had a rerun of it during the week, which you could buy for a few dollars less if you missed the Sunday night or Saturday night pay per view. They're re-showing yeah, they the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, they hyped the onboard, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, that's it. They're re-showing the pay-per-view literally the next night. And they're saying, but majority of what you're looking to want, to, you know, a big selling point for the pay-per-view, this contract signing between Piper and Hogan, we're going to give you for fuck all, mate. You can have that for nothing on our television. It, as From a yeah, business standpoint, are, that makes are, no they sense. Are, they're pissing the money away, basically. Yeah. And they're basically, they also, they're alienating people, in my view, looking back on it now, it's you know, probably 25 years on, but they're, they're saying to people who bought the pay-per-view, you are mugs. You've just mm-hmm. spent $40, $50, whatever it was, watching this event. If you did not spend that, we'll show you the big bits the next night for free. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose on one aspect, the actual in-ring action, they don't show any of that. It's all very similar to how the WWF always done things, isn't it? With like still images and then just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the contract signing itself, I mean, it wasn't a short segment. It took up a great deal of pay-per-view time. And they reshowed the whole thing. It wasn't an edited version, which I yeah. wish it bloody was, because Roddy Piper it goes was, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's an odd. Well, we'll get to it, but it's a, it's, it's a it's odd promo. It's a good twenty minute chunk. Easy, yeah, yeah. And you think as well that the show is a two hour show, but you take away your adverts on the network. I think it clocked in at one hour thirty three minutes or thirty four or something yeah. like that. So it's a big old section of the program. So. Yeah. Uh, we're also informed by Tony Schiavone that we are beginning on this evening a United States title tournament for the vacant US strap, which is still being carried around by the giant. Uh, and we're opening with one of those matches. We're opening with Arn Anderson versus Lex Luger. And I've not watched any WCW for quite a while because of the, the whole Nitro Knights project being paused uh, whilst you know Danny had to sort a few things out and so on. When Arn Anderson's music hit here on this episode of Nitro, the first episode of Nitro or any WCW I have watched in months, oh, I'm not going to lie, it gave me goosebumps. I felt like, oh, this is awesome. I was so excited to sit back and be back doing this project anyway. So excited to have you <laughs> in, involved. And then hearing Arn Anderson's music, I was like, oh, I've missed this so much. <laughs> 
I, I, I had the, the joy of not knowing his music, with the exception ah. of maybe two or three. Well, obviously, the NWO music I knew. Uh, I mean, Harlem Heat, Booker T's music was similar to when he first started in WWE. Mm. I didn't know the music. So wow. it wasn't until they sort of walked out. I thought, oh, it's so-and-so. Because with the way the camera pans as well, they sort of pan to the set as they're walking out. Yes. So uh, yeah, it's only when they – I'm like, oh, it's Arn Anderson. Okay, fair enough. Um, so that was new. That was new for me. As I say, I didn't know the music. And I'll make a comment about the music later on. But um, <laughs> it was – I worked out, obviously, when <laughs> – to be some of them, but uh, no, I didn't know that was Arn Anderson. So, right. Arn Anderson and Lex Luger. Yes, I mean this is very Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, WCW, Southern Territories Wrestling, isn't it? Anderson Luger. You know, going back to the whole, the whole Horseman stuff from eighty seven, eighty eight, yeah. and and so on. Um, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, Luger looks fantastic, doesn't he? As long as he stands Thanks. still. He looks the complete part a pro wrestler should look. The, the issue is as soon as he moves. Literally, literally total package, apart from not being able to really move. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a big deal to, to open this nitro with, with this particular match. Uh, I got a note here saying that Luger's forearms when he starts throwing them in in, in a, exchanges with on Anderson throwing some punches. Luger's forearms look like shit. You could see through that straight away. There was barely any contact at all. And everything Arn was doing looked looked tight and looked really good because, let's be honest, Arn Anderson's bloody fantastic. But Luger's offence here, straight off the bat, it looked like shit for me. It wasn't great. And, I mean, they do hype up on the commentary as well the fact he was in the last three of the the, um, Battle Royale previous night. Yeah. Uh, But but even then, it was... Had Luger's ever really looked that... Crisp. I mean, I when mm. I first started watching wrestling, it was maybe '93. Ah, Lex Express era. Before that, it was Narcissist. Oh, okay, yeah. And I mean, I remember like when, when he the, the forearms and the clotheslines. Oh, he's got a metal plate in his arm. That's that's his deadly finish. <laughs> that's what it is. Maybe the metal plate's just sort of turned and started to rust a little bit, and that's why he's yeah. not making as good a connection. <laughs> Oh dear me! Um, Luger's in control a great deal for the opening of this match. He he works on Anderson's arm for a, a great portion of it. We get a mini fight back by on Anderson before Luger cuts him off by countering a back body drop just by kicking Arn in the face. Uh, Luger's still in control when we go to an ad break, and when we come back from the ad break, on Anderson's in control. So for me, that's a bit of a production issue there because surely, again, I don't want to compare too much between the two companies. But I look at the WWF, for example, that wouldn't happen whilst they were on an ad break. Or even AEW now. My, my wife pays for the AEW Plus thingy so we can watch it on, on the streaming okay. service. So when they go to an advert on the ITV broadcasts, we don't get that. We stay with the program. Okay. And okay. you can tell by watching when they're on an ad break because they're waiting for them to come back for something to happen. Here, I appreciate it's live and so on, but from a television standpoint, it's a little bit of a production, almost like dropping the ball, I suppose, maybe, that you've missed the exchange of who's in control. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think it would have looked better had, say, there'd been a big reversal or something that, I don't know, say it's a reverse than Irish whip to turnbuckle and it's just a hard hit or something. And they're like, oh, he's reversed it. Oh, but we've got to take a break. And then he's still in control. So Arne, you've seen why Arne would yeah. take over on Luger. Oh, and as you saw before we left, yeah, this happened and blah, 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 blah. From a continuity standpoint. Again, you think they'd show that first, but 
we're still, let's not forget, there's still less than a, well, just over a year of Inter Nitro, aren't they now? Yeah, what are we in here? This is November 96, Nitro first started. September 95? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, literally, was that 12, uh, 14 months, 13 months? Yeah, so again, I'm not meaning to draw parallels because it's so easy Mm. for me from a view of not having ever watched Nitro before. You look at um, Dynamite, for example, they didn't really get in, I was going to say full gear, no AEW pun needed there. Um, <laughs> they didn't get into top gear until over a year in, easily. So mm. I think it's just yeah. still finding their stride. They do obviously, as the years go on, get, get better from that point of view. But yeah, it's tricky to watch, tricky to keep up with it. Everyone's like, oh, it's a commercial break. But now he's down on the floor. What? Yeah, what happened? It's, it's, it's yeah. no good showing replays of something we didn't see. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, with with Anderson in control, it, it's nothing spectacular. As, as big an Iron fan I am, there's not a lot of spectacular work here from Anderson. There's a lot of stomps, a lot of elbows, a lot of knees. Um, before we find ourselves on the outside, Arn Anderson misses a chop on the outside where Lou goes up against the post, but doesn't hit the post. And so he's very proud of himself that he didn't chop the ring post on the outside yeah. before Luger turns around and lamps him and starts working on Arn Anderson's taped-up back from his rack finisher, destroying him in a previous match. Um, Luger hits a suplex on the outside. Sorry, back in the ring, it hits a suplex. Uh, and this is when the giant arrives. And oh, man. visually, I thought this looked great because you've got the hard cam looking at the ring, the guys are still wrestling, and then up in the stand near the top is the giant with that beautiful United States title belt. The light's coming down on him. He's obviously standing much taller than everybody else, the long hair and so on. And then it all goes to shit when he starts talking. I just, I didn't know what to do during this. <laughs> the visual was fine. And yes. The fact that he was cutting a primer was, was also fine. It made no fucking sense. But what did it achieve? It wasn't like he was cutting a promo on Luger for mm-hmm. how far he got on the, in the Battle Royal. It was just it was a self promotion thing. We're going to say that in probably in about fifteen minutes, the NWO are going to come out and cut a promo mm-hmm. with the giant in the ring. Why does he have to be out there? Visually, yeah. I agree. Visually, look brilliant. And seeing this massive specimen of a man, Captain Insano himself, out in the crowd, I, I will be throwing these links. In. You're smiling at that. Brilliant. At that <laughs> <laughs> You will find that with my tenure now on uh, on Nitro Nights. You will, I will throw odd sort of uh, things in. But I look forward to this, this seven foot plus guy. But what did it prove? Yeah. It could have come out as part of the sort of standard NWO shtick and do that there. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, from my viewpoint, uh, me, me and Danny mentioned this a great deal uh, on the show because, especially with, the, with um, Hogan and Piper, it, more recently in our watchback, we—I suppose we—I say I say we—but the majority of wrestling fans, I, I would think, are not massive fans of hugely scripted promos, where it's obvious they're delivering lines given to them, and you watch uh, an episode of Raw uh, or SmackDown or whatever, and everyone talks in that same rhythm, hitting the same beats, and then pausing at the same times, and, and all that sort of stuff. We like them to be not, as non-scripted as possible, but. When you look at the giant here and Piper in the replay of the contract signing later on, and a lot of what Hogan has done with the NWO when he's been allowed to talk with a live microphone, it's it's an advert for scripting promos to me. 
because, 100%. Yeah, I, mean, I think the I think the aim they were trying to get with this was have the giant disrupt the very first match in the US title tournament because he claims to be US champion, which he's not. Yeah. Wave the belt around and say what he tries to get out at the very last minute, but it's almost too late. Is something along the lines of you can have your little tournament. But then whoever wins it has to come has to come and face me because I'm the US yeah. champion. And so it's setting something up for the future. But his delivery was just so bad and all over the place. I didn't pick well, up on that at all. Why? No, I didn't. Um, I, you even saying that he had the belt and that makes sense now in my head. But why send him out in the middle of the match? Why not put him out first thing, first segment, get him booed as, as, you know, he's a young guy still there, isn't he? Yes. He's trying to be a, a bigger heel since joining the NWO. Get him out first thing to say there's a US tournament signed tonight. Yeah, I'm the champ. Yeah, you've got to come through me. Then send Anderson Luger out. And yeah. go from there. It need it broke the flow totally. And I wasn't I wasn't looking at the match. I was looking at him up in the crowd. And I think that's a real shame as well, because this match for the majority of it was punchy kicky bullshit, is a is a phrase I use quite often. But whilst um, whilst the giant was talking and everyone's attention was on him, Luger hit a few nice suplexes. They had a couple of good exchanges in the ring, and I'm thinking, well, no one's looking, now, boy. You just want to pop it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I will mention oh, later on. This was the longest match on the on the episode as well, mm. and yeah. I just think it's bought it. To be honest, didn't need it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um. Luger at one point back in the ring tries to rack on Anderson. He holds the ropes to counter this. Both end up back on the outside. On Anderson uh, teases a pile driver before we get the standard back body drop counter. Luger then applies the rack. Arn's screaming in pain. Both guys are on the outside and then both are counted out and eliminated from the tournament. Now, first of all, I think that's a stupid finish because it makes the baby face look like an idiot that he's, that he's allowed that to happen. It makes Luger look like a moron. But secondly, the only thing I can think of or, or hope is that they've got plans for Arn and Luger elsewhere so they don't want them tied up in the tournament. But I don't think WCW plan ahead that well, so I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> no. no. Uh, it, it made The finish made little sense to me. Mm. The fact that, yeah, Luger comes off looking like a dumbass. And yeah. it just reminded me of... Um, and then he walked off celebrating. The, what's he celebrating yeah. about? It reminded me it of... It like he um, didn't give a shit. It looked like he didn't care. It, but yeah, was it SummerSlam '94? '93, it was you know '93. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he yeah he won by out and everyone came and put yeah. him on the shoulders. But he won by all. The balloons were coming down. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just how Luger rolls. He celebrates matches technically didn't win. <laughs> yeah, perhaps he's just really fond of a count out win or count out full stop. Perhaps he just gets really excited about count outs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you were saying about the, the promos, though, just because you made a good point in there, the fact that um, non-scripted promos. Mm-hmm. And uh, these days, obviously, we're more used to them, and quite often talent are uh, singing on the same sort of hymn sheet, if you like. Yes. But you're, you're, you're right here that your Pipers, your Hogans, and later on, dare I say, your Warriors, uh, are singing on totally different. <laughs> yeah. totally different. And it, it's, it's, it's like a... Someone's playing jazz over here and someone's playing metal. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work at all. And that's just, yeah. Oh, you Sorry, wait till Warrior turns up. No, I'm, wait, 
I've seen some of them already. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's th- that first night Warrior turns up and cuts a promo. Uh, apparently, according to Bischoff, he overran by 20 minutes and had to rewrite the whole show. Whilst on yeah, it. That sounds about right. Bloody hell. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that uh, silly finish, we get our first and first of many World War Three pay-per-view recaps, some pictures and images of what went on of that pay-per-view. And if you want to hear more about what happened at World War Three, of course, go back into our archives, the previous episodes of this one. And that's where we covered that particular pay-per-view. And then the NWO music hits. And it's just so iconic and so cool. I love it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was it was it was groundbreaking in a weird way. Mm-hmm. The whole even the lighting setup, you're used to big colourful lights, and it's just black and white. It's yeah, you know, so clever. It, it was, for that part of time, it was genius. Yeah. Totally. Shame it went shit so quickly, but still. Well, we'll get to that at some point, no doubt. Um yeah. we have here the NWO crew of Eric Bischoff, the giant, Vincent, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and six. So that's that one, two, three, four, five, six of them with no Hogan. So you can see their their ranks are rapidly expanding. Um, we begin with Bischoff cutting a promo, which I thought was quite good, as soon as we could actually hear him, because a little yeah. no, another little production issue, the first line or two of Bischoff's pro- uh, promo, we couldn't hear, because his fucking microphone wasn't working. The microphone wasn't working, and someone, I forgot to say, the end of the Luger Anderson match, someone botched with the bell, because they rang the bell before they'd been counted out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I forgot for that. Just says it all right, WCW really, doesn't it? But no, oh. yeah, the mic with Bischoff, he seemed so happy with what he was saying. There was clearly some gold there. And even the yeah. front row would go, we can't fucking hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Bischoff explains then, when the microphone sort of fires up, about taking the powerbomb from Kevin Nash on a previous pay-per-view and deciding to join the NWO. And I liked all of this. I think Bischoff is fantastic. I think as, as, as a wrestling character, he doesn't get spoken about in high enough regard for me. He was doing the heel owner, the bad guy owner before McMahon was. Um, he's fantastic on the microphone. He's genuinely unlikable, which is oh, a yeah. great trait to have when you're in pro wrestling. Um, it, it, he also talks about being a high-ranking executive in both companies, the NWO and WCW. And then most interestingly, explains in 30 days... He expects a lot of WCW contracts to convert to NWO contracts because in 30 days and one minute, you're either with us or you're against us. And I thought the delivery of that was excellent by Bischoff. Absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a TV. He was always says he was a TV guy rather than a wrestling guy, but mm. it was a proper smarmy, yuppie style. Yeah. Probably one of the guy type promos, wasn't it? It was, uh, and the pointing at the teeth when he smiles and all that sort of oh, oh, slimy yeah. bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have some volunteers very quickly who want their contracts swapped over, though. And it's the tag team of the Alpha, sorry, the American males, uh, Marcus Bagwell, who isn't buff yet, but he's Marcus. I, well, no, he's, I think he is, I think he was. Someone called him Buff Bagwell on, on commentary. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. And Scotty Riggs, the tag team that we've seen since the very first episode of Nitro here on Nitro Nights. And they've been having their issues in recent weeks. Bagwell and Riggs have been arguing, falling out, and so on. And Bagwell wants to join Riggs, doesn't look too sure, does he, uh, Ben? No. Do you know what? I'm going to say now, this bugged me this second. Okay. This bit bugged me because I, I did go and have a little look back at sort of World War Three and a couple of weeks before, and I knew that obviously there was 
dissension between um, American males, and I understood why yeah. there was a bit of a falling out at the Battle Royal. This could have been done so much better, in my view. This is again, this is the first time looking at this. Bagwell's turn, joining the NWO. It, it could have been done better. It could have, you know, all right, they were getting lost in the tag team show. There's loads of tag teams, obviously, and yeah. uh, WCW now. But you imagine if they had left that till near a Starcade, there's even, or even the 30 days that Bischoff says, mm-hmm. get them a couple of weeks, get, have them beat the French Canadians, have them beat. Harlem Heat, haven't beat somebody else. Get a shot at Hall and Nash, and then do the turn. Have rigs in the uh, have rigs in the ring going for the Bagwell drops off joins the NWO. Well, that would have made Bagwell to me. That would have made Bagwell more a more hot property as a as a, yep, as a heel. Okay. And it, it made no sense to me that all right, he was displaying his heel tendencies, whatever, in the lead up to this. But he walks in the ring, and he immediately—I think he immediately hugs Nash or hugs Bischoff. Mm. That's would you not sort of shake his hand? <laughs> That's like there's going no into sus- there's no build-up or suspense there, is there? No, that, that, and then, and he's, that, he's that too, moment too, where you could pause. Yeah, he's too sweet in the in the ring and stuff like that. That is the equivalent of you starting a brand new job and going up to your new boss and like licking their face. It just bugged me, and then obviously he did the net breaker to Riggs. They beat him up. Mm. I just think that could have been built up, and you could have. All right, he's going to end up with a Bagwell Riggs um, feud and mini feud, I suppose. But it irritates me. I know I'm. I know I'm fantasy booking here, and I know I'm a bit of a WWF mark. But to me, that was lazy booking. Yeah, I agree. It was lazy booking. And I'll be honest, I, I've been waiting for this split to happen over the last few weeks of television. They've sown the seeds here and there. And it's, it's not subtle in any way. You could see it was coming. And then when they came out here and Riggs was almost a little bit hesitant walking down the aisle and so on, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then it was done with. It was done. That's it. End yeah. off. The switch. The changes happened. And I think an issue going forward as well for this is that it, it might just be my opinion, and I, I could be completely wrong, and I apologise if I am, but I don't think anyone gives enough of a shit about Scotty Riggs for Bagwell to get a huge amount of heat on that. No, exactly. And if you say, if you'd have spent the next four weeks doing something with them, or regularly on TV, that level would have gone up. you have the sympathy for Riggs, you'd have the yep. hatred on Bagwell. It would have yep, meant more. Exactly. Exactly. Good, good. I mean, the fact is, the babyface Riggs is not getting his ass kicked. And it's, I don't know, six or seven on one. And everyone's chanting for the NWO as though they're the baby faces anyway, which is a problem that WCW is going to have for a a little while now anyway. But there we go. There is the first contract switched inside the 30 days, I suppose. And you mentioned there about the potential of um, the American males going to a match with Hall and Nash for the title and then one of them turning and joining in the match. And yeah you're going to enjoy what we get with another tag team in a few months' time because you've effectively just booked a whole angle that's upcoming. But we'll get to that in the future. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I know, yeah. I know the angle you mean. <laughs> uh, we get another ad break and we return with Darren Dallas Page, who's still just finding his feet here. He shared some of the 87 gimmicks that he was trying to make work at once. We're now down to only around 31, 32. So it's quite, a, you know, it's progress, but we're not quite there yet. 
We've still got the gum and the, the, the bright pink and the cigar oh, and so on. Yeah. yeah. And he is facing um, Disco Inferno, who is an, just an irritating little shite. But that entrance music always gets my toe tapping. It's so cheesy and ridiculous. But there we go. Yeah. And this is a something and nothing match, really. But, and it's, but I think it's done well in a way because it highlights how the again they're pushing the diamond cutter to the moon right now and it just comes out of nowhere for page to win it after a, a pretty short contest and i think that's the whole purpose of the match and if that's the case then mission accomplished ben i think it was yeah no i think it was i i think the line i picked up on commentary was uh <laughs> i think zabisco said something like um i think we're up to 37 ways that DDP can get into position to hit the diamond cutter from th- yeah. <laughs> was, and it, oh look 38 <laughs> yeah. another one um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're clearly positioning Paige for, yeah. for some, which is which is refreshing to see that they're actually uh-huh. taking actually no we're going to build this guy up, but you're right he's it, it won't be you, obviously it won't be long to lead the world champion but they're, they're, they're putting something in place to give him time to find where he needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and we're still getting the questions as well that are rumbled on with Paige about, is he NWO? Is he WCW? What's going on? Uh, mean Gene gets in the ring and asks him a few more of these questions. He points out that he's friends with Hall and Nash. He has history with them. His neighbours were very Bischoff um, and all this sort of stuff. And I like the way that they're touching on real life stuff here as well, because all that is yeah. factual. They live on the same street and all that sort of stuff. Um, Paige doesn't really answer the question before leaving again. So, <laughs> I love you know, it. He's so he's so blasé about it. Just yeah. like um, Gene's like, oh, Bishop is your neighbour, and Paige just goes, "Yeah, yes." Yeah. <laughs> What's <your> point? <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I thought it. I thought it was great. I thought yeah. he was so flippant about it, and it just made me. It made me laugh the way he did it. I want answers, damn it, Oakland says. And Paige's like, yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> After spitting out possibly the biggest piece of gum I've seen in my life. How many sticks of gum is he chewing in one go there? That was, that's like the size of my fist. It's good, it's good going, isn't it? It's, uh... Oh, gross. <laughs> it's ba- chewing gum's banned in my house, mate. Won't have it. I yeah. hate shit. Yeah. But my daughters still sneak it in, little bastards. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we get some wonderful 1996, um, I suppose, time stamping for the product we are watching here because we get an advert, advert, sorry, for the new WCW wrestling.com website oh, where, you can, oh, yeah. where you can <laughs> check out some pictures and maybe a bit of audio which is just glorious isn't it you know? and it also <laughs> gives you the link to the 1-800 hotline too <laughs> yeah well, you can ring mean gene and pay seven dollars an hour <laughs> oh sorry seven dollars a minute to find out absolutely fuck all and uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually called that number not long ago um, after recording an episode of Nitro Nights when I was drunk at home. It, amazingly, it's, dis- <laughs> it's, 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 it's disconnected. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did remember to put the American code in the beginning as well. I googled the American code and everything, but yeah, wasn't having it. You, you, yeah, you, you, you wanted to be like just a recording of Vince McMahon just laughing or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Or they've totally forgot about it, and it's still me and Gene (laughs) talking about who might turn up at Starcade '98 or some shit like that. Yeah, I can just picture this. You're 23 years too late, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Um, 
Up next, we have the lesser-seen WCW television title on Nitro. Uh, the champion, Stephen Regal, defending against Tony Pina. Not too sure who Pina. that was. Pina, okay. I, I can tell you exactly who it was. Go ahead. I've done my research on this fella, because they say that it's the first time they see him on WCW. It's not. No, he had oh. a mask previously, didn't he? He, he wrestled... He's a very uh, famous Mexican family. He, he wrestled mm. in the Battle Royal the previous night. Ah, okay. He's Villano. Villano 4, technically, because his brothers and his father were the first three. But um, right. I was saying that about music. For someone like him, his music did not <laughs> match his sort no. of stuff. It was full-on hip-hop type thing. And yes. this mid-40s, he probably looked like Mexican dude walks out. <laughs> Wasn't sure about that one. Uh, um, a lot of it, though. I mean, even with I mean, the Horseman music is iconic. So Arn yeah. coming out to the Horseman—that's fair enough. The NWO music we've already discussed, of course. Um, Regal's music has that kind of certain sound to it that it goes along with the character, I, I guess. But you look at even even guys like uh, Luger. It's just such obvious, plain stock music that they've got from. Yeah. The, the the you know non copyrighted library or whatever yeah. uh, in yeah. Conan Ed, Conan comes out to the Dungeon of Doom theme now which is you know, shite anyway but Eddie Guerrero's music and it's all just so generic you know and you think again end of ninety six on the other channel we already we we had Austin's theme with a broken glass by this stage didn't we um, Michael's yeah. was what are we in November of ninety six so Michael's just dropping the world title to Sid, I think, on the other channel. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at both of those guys, very different and very relatable music to the characters, aren't they? Uh, but then you think about it as well. This end of 96, you're seeing the rise of ECW. And ECW yeah. are playing Metallica for Sandman. They're playing Prodigy yeah. for Al Snow. They're playing so many other music. Obviously, they never got the license rights for no. it. <laughs> compare that to Tony Pena's music. Please yeah. go and check it out because it's just hilarious the difference between the and it, it's not like they're afraid to stereotype music to wrestlers. Yeah, it could be a generic Mexican theme that you play for this guy. Bear in mind he's facing Regal, who comes out to posh British music, let's face mm -hmm. it. Like almost <laughs> Edwardian style. <laughs> it just, <laughs> just made me laugh. It's a little dude <sighs> in a stick that comes out to to some sort of generic stock hip hop, it's great. It it felt very Saturday night. It felt very WCW Saturday night. Like this match didn't really feel like it it fit on Nitro. No. Um, I mean, it looked all right. Everything they did looked looked good. Uh, there was there was a pretty crisp snap DDT by Pena. Um, Regal wins with a Regal stretch in the end, which is a great move anyway. Um, Everything they did looked good, but it just felt Saturday night. I mean, again, uh, Regal's opponent here, you mentioned he looks mid-40s and he's got the, the music and so on. He doesn't fit with what we're seeing on Nitro, I don't think. So going back to what I said earlier, imagine if that match for the TV title had been Regal versus Scotty Riggs. Yeah. Okay. Forget that. Imagine they weren't in the NWO segment. If that had been Regal versus Riggs, and Bagwell accidentally costs Riggs the match. Yeah. That then plants more seeds. That, you know, does that not? Or even if it's, yeah, yeah. if it's Regal Bagwell and Riggs does it, you know, it gives Bagwell more feelings in the turn. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry. The more you invest in a story, the bigger the payoff, I guess, is kind of what we yeah, recognise. It, it, it just annoyed me how little payoff there was, as you can probably yeah. tell already. 100%. <laughs> um, we have Mean Gene popping out again to interview someone. Uh, Rick Steiner arrives, and I kind of wish he hadn't. And he oh, rambles yeah. on about being in Japan, and he and his yep. brother are 110% WCW. Yeah. And is it is it here or his entrance later on he questions stings loyalties and like all kinds of blends into one big shouty mess i'm not gonna lie yeah he has a bit of a moan about um about sting in the interview mm. segment he has a bit of a moan about uh i think bagwell's brought up in this as well it's, it's weird i don't really get what he's getting at. i i get he has an old jeff jarrett's mentioned as well I didn't. I didn't understand. No, I sort of. I sort of glazed over by this point. Yeah, no, I get you. I get. You. I mean, Rick Steiner. He's a funny one. First of all, he's a transphobic piece of shit. So screw yeah, that. Yeah, but live a time for him. Secondly, you always get you always get the Shawn Michaels of the tag team and the Marty Jannetty of a tag team, don't you? When they split, it's obvious here. Scott is the guy of all the charisma, isn't it? <sighs> I don't know. I okay. don't know. I have limited knowledge of the Steiners, if I'm honest. I, I think I'm more drawn to your sort of school of thought. I, I, I Scott Steiner, obviously, in later years, <laughs> I mean, you talk about, he's talking about 110%. Let's not mention maths around the Steiner no, family no, no. in general, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they, they could go in the ring. I, I just, I wasn't keen on either of them talking, to be honest. Mm, yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we then get an NWO ad for their T-shirts, and these are always just brilliant. It's just, again, a real clip of the times and so on. Uh, before Conan comes out to the Dungeon of Doom music, God, I hate the Dungeon of Doom so much, and uh, <laughs> he is facing Eddie Guerrero, and we get the countdown to hour two here, the little stick of dynamite. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I just, this, so this is new to me. Right, they, yes. count down, okay. they do the countdown to the second hour. <laughs> yep. Understand that. But the crowd counts. Why do it during a match? Yes. <laughs> and with the I pyro. And then, oh, by the way, we, we, yeah, Zabisco's like, oh, it's midway through a match, but I'm leaving now. See you later. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I, I question what's going on. Well, when it first started happening, and it would still happen during the middle of matches, um, obviously this is the top of the hour on the television. They had been either head to head with Raw for the first hour or the second hour, depending on which way you looked at it. But the first hour was most common. So people were turning over to catch the second hour of Nitro because Raw didn't have that. So yeah. when they turned over, they had it like the second hour was the start of a new show. And then it would be, we're going to cut to the ring now because we've got a match in progress. Uh, and it was like, it made you think, oh, well, I've, I've joined them halfway through a match. So next week, I need to turn over earlier to see the start of the match. It was kind of their marketing ploy when you listen to Bischoff and um, Kevin Sullivan talk okay. on their podcast sometimes, you know? That makes more sense now, correct? Right. <laughs> that makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> and the fact that if the unopposed hour had Heenan on it, they'd be like, I'm turning over and hearing a voice that we know. So Yes, there you go. Okay. Yeah, and well, you normally you would have... Normally the commentary team would just completely change for the second hour. 
but yeah. Tony Schiavone here mentions he's going to stay on because Bischoff is no longer going to call play-by-play for the second hour. Because that was the commentary team. As soon as they went to two hours, it was Bischoff, Heenan, and Tanay. And obviously, this has all changed now with, with Bischoff's heel turn and, and so on. So, Makes sense. Yeah. I, I like, I, I've always liked Tony Schiavone as a, as a commentator. Yes, I mean. Yeah. SummerSlam 89 was one of the first pay-per-views I ever watched. And of course, he called, he called that, didn't he, with Jesse Ventura. Yep. So it was kind of like, uh, even as a young kid, it's like one of the first things I'd heard wrestling-wise. So yeah, it just kind of feels comfy, I guess. I don't know. Can I make a little Jesse Ventura comment? You no, can, of course. Then. Have you ever heard Karrion Cross's impression of Jesse Ventura? No. It's incredible. And apparently even Jesse Ventura has said, that's really, really good. <laughs> so it, all goes it goes on YouTube. It's on there. Yeah, Karen Grant, Killer Cross, whatever you want to call him. His impression of Jesse Ventura is amazing. I'm going to have to look that up. I'll look that up when we're done he, here. He does it again during an interview with someone like Chris Van Vliet or someone like that. It, it's, just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'll definitely check that out. Um, yeah. Here, it's almost like... I suppose it works again. It gets it gets done what they were trying to do. I suppose Conan looks strong, but Eddie Guerrero still comes away with the win. Uh, Conan, yeah, I don't. I, it's a funny one because I feel like this. If it had literally just a three or four more minutes, it could have developed into something pretty decent. But it never really gets out of second or third gear for me. No, no. I think the only way about six minutes, maybe not even that. Mm. It, Bear in mind they gave um, Luger and Arn 10 plus. And on paper, yeah. you think Eddie Guerrero and Conan, the styles are there. It's a good match in general. Mm-hmm. They need 10, 15 minutes. And they, yeah, it, it needed to be, it felt rushed. It felt a bit, okay, that looks good. Oh, but it's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Guerrero wins when uh, Conan attempts, uh, well, he, he hits a. Um, what does he hit? It's not the power bomb he goes for, is it? Oh, it's just it's a superplex, isn't it? And then he goes for a cover and pulls Eddie Guerrero up at two, goes for a power bomb. Guerrero kind of slips out and clumsily falls and hooks the leg and, and gets his win that way. So again, that's what it does add progression to things. Guerrero has won. Conan can call it a fluke, and you've got the way Guerrero beat him and so on. So that you can move forward with it. But at the same time, it, it almost again, it didn't feel like it really got fully going, I suppose. No. But there we go. Ah, and following that, we get another World War Three recap. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, to, to be honest, the purpose of these recaps on this occasion for me having the watch back for the show now in 2024, they weren't too bad because I didn't rewatch the pay per view, so I kind of right. got little bits and bobs, you know, back from it. But I totally get the point of why are you wasting so much time on your live broadcast doing this when you got especially when you got an encore presentation the night after it's just it's just silly it just seems silly uh um rick steiner is back sadly and he is taking on big bubba who i like the boss man i like big bubba he's a massive guy and he's quick and he can move and he's he's got something about him but he's tied into the dungeon of doom. He's surrounded. He's, he's surrounded by all these bloody morons, and it just holds him back for me. You know, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's yeah. Looking back on it all, and you see people like him. You see people like John Tenter. You know as well. These amazing people yeah. who were saddled with that sort of stuff when they went over. And I, yeah, 
late eighties, early nineties, I love Bossman. He was great. Yeah. And, and even to ninety two, you know, few with the Mountie and people like that. It was just it nails was, it was and all that, yeah. It was at the point it was, it was almost so bad it was good, but yeah, the guy could go and yeah, yeah, he was saddled with that shit. And using the... oh, just, I hate the dungeon of doom so much. I don't understand how coming into the trail end of '96, they're still a thing. I don't get it. It, 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 you know, when you look at the NWO and the horseman and all the other stuff that's going on, and then you've got this little pygmy in a yellow dressing gown of Kevin Sullivan <laughs> running around snarling at people. Well, I'll say, well, we'll get to Sullivan in a minute because there's a guy kind of promo later on, but it, uh, that's a bit potentially a bit harsh because what Sullivan's about to go into actually ends up being quite good. But yeah, the Dungeon of Doom stuff is just pony dire. Um, yeah. I mean, Rick Steiner displays some of that typical. <laughs> uh, he just he displays some of that um, typical style of power, I guess. He hits a pretty good looking German suplex. Uh, he hits the kind of over the shoulder sort of throw suplex exploder kind of effort yeah. quite early on. Um, and then we get one of the highlights of the show for me, and that's Sting arriving. The crowd are all going a bit crazy. Sting's walking through the crowd. Uh, Big Bubba's on the outside at this point. Steiner is looking on the outside, distracted. And Sting comes down, gets in the ring, hits Steiner with the Scorpion Death Drop, and Big Bubba wins the match. Now, the announcers are still playing the game of is Sting with the NWO or not? We don't know, etc., etc. This has been some of the best stuff on WSW TV in the recent episodes we have done, Ben. It's just been the Sting stuff is so simple, so straightforward. He just comes yeah. in, annihilates someone, and leaves. And it's just absolutely great television with regards to you not knowing masses of wcw yourself by your own admission at the start of this recording where are you with regards to knowing how the sting story goes and especially now as we're starting the the project from where we are here in november of 96 are you aware of where we sit with sting I, yeah, I understood obviously the more from surface thing uh, into the, yeah. you know, the dark hair and the Hogan turning and then everyone not really trusting him and it ended up if, him in the rafters with the face paint on. Uh, sort of full-on crow's thing. Yeah. I, I I didn't get the link between he would just sort of come down and attack people like he did with uh, Jeff Jarrett and he's obviously done with Steiner. But then I'm sort of thinking mm. he's defending himself because people are questioning his integrity exactly. and that yeah. element so from a story point of view with that i'm on board i 100 percent understand where that's coming from so the fact that the, the fact that he comes it takes ages to come through the crowd and uh St- rick steiner just he's like he doesn't notice it <laughs> he just carries on <laughs> the thing until is, he realizes he's right behind him the thing is i can buy that rick steiner would notice that for that long oh yeah he, me too it's <laughs> not bright <laughs> Yeah, have you, have you know about Sting testing others as well? Um, there's moments with Luger where he hands Luger the baseball bat and then turns his back to Luger with his arms out, almost a, a, you know, expecting Luger or daring Luger to hit him to see where Luger stands, whether he's NWO, WCW, and so on. We've had a few of those moments with different wrestlers as well, and it is almost like Sting is testing the water with everyone on the roster. And I, it's it's fascinating. It's brilliant TV. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. So that's that'd be good to watch going forward. Yeah, it's great. It's great. 
Uh, we have Lee Marshall doing his usual role on Night Monday Nitro, and Lee Marshall is telling us he's at a Nitro party in Dayton. Uh, Lee Marshall is a fucking liar. He would have been backstage with his microphone, as he always was every single week. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is something he had been doing for recent weeks, and the next City Nitro is in, is in Dayton. So he's there a week early, apparently, to spread the word, and he goes and joins random families and groups of college kids for their nitro parties to watch nitro Not and it's all bullshit oh no and of course you look at the picture of the guy and you're thinking yeah you would have a you would have a white van with three sweets written on the side wouldn't you <laughs> you know he's got that kind of look about him honey did he um did he legitimately get kicked in the head the previous night i read that somewhere whether that was a legitimate thing or all work i'd have to during go the, back and... during the start of the battle royal there was obviously oh uh, yes Else. I think he did yes. genuinely get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, which is always good fun. Um, <laughs> uh, up next, something I had high hopes for, uh, where Rey Mysterio arrives. And it's a very young-looking, very mobile Rey Mysterio. He's only had maybe one or two knee operations at this point, rather than the 90 they ends up having by the time he's in WWF. Um, and he is taking on a psychosis, crazy mask and hair and all. Um and again, it just doesn't really get going for me. And then we get a few high spots, and it's over out of the blue. Again, I picked up a line on commentary from Bobby Heenan that was about Mysterio hit a move, and he went, that move was so good, he bent his horns. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants a bent horn. Um, <laughs> oh, no, not in the middle of the ring. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh I suppose the most interesting things are that, first of all, Rey Mysterio wins the match with a pretty cool counter to what looked like a razor's edge attempt off the ropes by Psychosis, and yeah. Rey turns it into a Hurricane Rana, and that, that was pretty spectacular. Um, but Ultimo Dragon arrives with Sonny Ono and his mass collection of cruiserweight and light heavyweight titles, one of which, very clearly, you can see on screen, is the WWF cruiserweight or light heavyweight title that they had at this time looked very much like an intercontinental championship if you go back and look on his let me think about this left hand uh as he as i reaches that was the wwf title that they totally forgot he had and he'd been carrying it around for bloody ages because the whole division was just declared defunct oh i, did, I didn't realize that i didn't realize yeah that. Uh, one didn't look a bit like the nwa championship but i'm sure <laughs> i'm just like Okay. That would have been that would have been probably an NWA junior heavyweight title as well. Because a lot of these titles yep. that Ultimo Dragon accumulated, he didn't go around winning them one at a time. It'd be a case of he would beat somebody else who would have three of them. So for example, and again, I'm okay. I'm, I'm probably gonna get this wrong. I'm just this is literally just me paraphrasing as an example. The former WWF cruiserweight title or whatever it may well be, junior title or whatever they called it back then, that was probably in somebody else's possession in Japan or Mexico or someone that yeah. that had it for years and the WWF had forgotten about it. So when Ultimo Dragon won like that triple crane or that collection of belts, he acquired that as well. So that's why you're getting belts from all over the place that aren't even named. He's just got a mad collection of gold on him, hasn't he? So <laughs> yeah. it does look like he's weighed down. I think the belts weigh as much as he does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it though. I mean it's such a really impactful look. Just this guy caked in title belts. It's just brilliant. I always loved it whenever people would win, like do be a double or triple champion. I remember when Dan Seven arrived in WWF as well, he had loads of belts with him. But you think that's yeah. just such a cool visual. Yeah. 
Definitely. He had an NWA title, didn't he, at, at one stage? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. He had an NWA had a UFC title when he walked out. Brilliant. That is awesome. What a moment in history, man. Uh, up next, we have a promo from Chris Benoit, and he is accompanied by Woman. And the promo is basically being cut on Kevin Sullivan. Now, we're entering here the whole worked shoot angle where Benoit and Woman were supposedly carrying on behind Sullivan's back. That was the storyline they were trying to put forward. And then as they were booking it that way, it became real life and Woman left Sullivan, who was a real husband and and so on. Um, Woman tells Sullivan it's over. Um, Benoit references Sullivan's corporate ties, which is interesting considering he's supposed to be this crazy kooky guy from the Dungeon of Doom, because at the time Sullivan was quite prominent in the booking committee as well. It's blurring the lines, isn't it? Very much work shoot kind of thing. And it, it's going to lead into some good stuff from what I remember. I may be remembering wrong, but it's, <laughs> I won't know until we rewatch. But what did you think of this whole, this whole promo segment between these two? And obviously Gene was there as well. Okay, so obviously this is my first time on this show, and obviously Benoit is going to feature quite a lot. I very much have the Benoit hat of wrestler at the time. I'm not thinking of anything else currently. So from a, from a work, I'll just put that out there first. From a, from a working at this point standpoint, it did what it meant to do, and I liked the fact it blurred the the, the fourth wall, if you like, much like Bischoff did earlier on when he said about the executives and yes. everything else. I think that that was a good. Um, uh, journey, if you like, into that side of it, and it's set up for you know the next step of the feud, as you say. So I thought it was fine, but it, it, mm-hmm. it um, yeah, it's very clearly the uh, work shoot, and it did end up obviously being yeah. genuine, didn't it? So it did. Uh, it, yeah, served its purpose. It's a good way of continuing what happened the night before. So mm. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, after this, we get another World War Three recap. And on this occasion, it's a recap of the bloody contract signing. And it felt like it, you know, it felt like I'd lost half my life watching this. This was oh, I aged. I aged during it. It was, yeah. it was too long a segment on the pay-per-view. For starters. Yeah. When we reviewed when we reviewed the pay-per-view, Danny and I both said it was too long then. Way too long. To re- to replay it on Nitro and not cut it down. It's baffling to me. Is, my question is, while that's being replayed to the home audience, what's happening to the live crowd? Well, this was something else I was going to bring up. Yeah, this is something I was going to bring up. Those poor bastards who have spent money to go and watch this episode of Nitro, and at this point, yeah. they had a lot of paying customers. They weren't like, you know, three houses like they had in the in the early 90s and, and so on. They had a lot of paying customers at these Nitros. The poor gits were getting all these interview segments um recaps on screen yeah. and so on whilst you know there was nothing happening in the ring and they would just be made to watch them on the screen as part of their entrance way can you imagine paying yeah. a ticket it, and getting that well it it makes me think of um, wrestlemania 2 if wrestlemania 2 was in three different venues so you only you know you you're there uh i don't even know where they were probably Chicago was one. LA was another one. But LA was another one, yeah. Was it Boston? I think it was Boston, oh, LA. New York, New York, New, New okay. York Chicago, and LA. Um, okay, right. But once your third of the show is done, they just, yeah, they had it on screens. And you think, yeah. hang on, you're just, 
you're paying good money to watch wrestling all night and you're spending two thirds of the time watching basically yeah. a glorified cinema. But I suppose then, I mean, what would that have been? 86, wouldn't it? WrestleMania 2. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have proper pay per view then, or you, it was very much in its infancy for your home. Yeah. First one was so, the circuit. Was- so, yeah, so yeah. the first WrestleMania would have been a case of sitting in a cinema and watching a big screen anyway, wouldn't it? I guess. Yeah. So maybe yeah, they wouldn't have known any different, potentially. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, the contract signing, it's all being set up for Starcade, Piper versus Hogan. Um, a lot of what again, Piper does. Again, it's the argument for scripted promos. Yeah, because a lot of what Piper does. Yeah. Uh, Piper, sometimes he would start off well, and I'm thinking, this is good. But then after the first two sentences, it just kind of rambles to somewhere else, and it just kind of loses its way. And, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, was it? It sort of, uh, yeah, again, some of the lines were absolutely on point. And then I think halfway through, just, he alludes that the NWO is gay. And uh, I think, and then <laughs> various other things like that, you, you're losing them, Roddy. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's yeah. bring it back a little bit. Yeah. The line to Vincent, for the former Virgil, of I taught you how to fight as a reference back to the 91 <laughs> stuff. That That was great. I really enjoyed that. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the fair, intensity Vincent, as well. Vincent Sorry, sold that pretty well. Vincent sold that yeah. pretty well. Fuck off, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the intensity as well in Piper's eyes whenever he's cutting anything. You genuinely believe this guy believes what he's saying, yeah. even when he's rambling like a mad, crazy person. And you genuinely believe he's slightly unhinged as well. It's all in the eyes for me with Piper. I think it's really, the delivery is superb. And Heenan makes a point of saying that as well on the Nitro commentary. You look in Piper's eyes, you've never seen him like that before. Mm. And yeah. even more so, it's amped up to 11, almost. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, after the contract signing, we have, uh, again, another sort of throwaway match. And the whole Nitro, we'll get to our, our summary of the show um, in a moment, because we've only got a couple of matches left to talk about. But to me, the whole show kind of feels throwaway. And this is another throwaway moment. We have Jeff Jarrett taking on Alex Wright. Uh, are you familiar with Alex Wright, Ben? Yeah. 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 He's a funny one for me. He's built, I don't know, maybe more like a swimmer than a wrestler. <laughs> but he's incredibly athletic, isn't he? And he does, he does yeah. some stuff I look at and I think, wow, that was really good. But then they saddle him with this stupid dancing gimmick. It's, I don't get it. <laughs> but it was in Berlin. Did they rename it? Yes. It was a, it with a be, y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it ends up being Berlin, yeah. Um, some of the jumping head, head scissor takes down by Alex Wright are, are incredible because he's, you know, Jeff Jarrett's, what, 6'1", maybe, something like that? And from a standing start, Alex Wright is getting his feet around Jarrett's head to take him down. Yeah. And, and Wright is a big, big guy. That, I thought, looked really good. Then we have a weird kind of splash from the outside in where he uses the top rope to just kind of spin in a circle round down onto it, which was pretty unique, I guess, for the time and even for now, I suppose, yeah. uh, before Jarrett ultimately wins with a figure four whilst using the ropes. So, yeah, I mean, your, your thoughts on this particular match? I mean, there wasn't masses of meat to it for me, really. Not really, not really. I mean, if you, again, if you're trying to push Jarrett as a heel, it works. Uh he gave Alex the right chance to do something to make himself mm. notice, which he clearly did, but they didn't do anything with him apart from giving the dancing gimmick. But 
But Jeff Jarrett, <sighs> Jeff Jarrett is a difficult one. Jeff Jarrett's like, I would say Marmite, but he's not. It's like blue cheese. There's more people that don't like him that, than do. But he does, he, he does, he, he knows he has a role to play on the cheese board, but not everyone's <laughs> going to be keen on him. <laughs> yes, yes, people of Nitro Nights fandom. I've just compared Jeff Jarrett to blue cheese. <laughs> that works. That works. I like that. See, I, I've never really had a, a massive problem with Jarrett. Um, I know Dan Griffin, our good friend Dan, who does the Doctor Who pod with me here on SJP World Media, despises Jeff Jarrett. And I think a lot of that comes from his uh, TNA fandom with, with Jarrett's um, yeah. reign and all that sort of stuff. But even watching TNA, I didn't have a massive issue with him. Not, not to the level I hated Triple H on the other station, who seemed to be monopoly, monopolizing the world title picture at roughly the same time. That's sort of 05, 06, and, and so on. But I, I listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast now, and I just think he's just a nice bloke. So I find it difficult looking back and disliking him. Yeah, he's a bit of a polarizing one in general. But I mean, I I I, I heard him on um, the Broken Skull sessions with David right. Austin, uh, and I, I actually I've enjoyed his AEW run. I think he's done yeah. what he's needed to do there as well. Everyone was like, when he first arrived, he said, oh, God's sake, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> you should have heard my wife's reaction when he came out. She hates, <laughs> she hates Jarrett as much as Dan does, I think. Uh, but am I a fan of Jarrett? No. But do I respect what he brings to some of the places he's gone to? Uh, absolutely. I think he's yeah. he's a good wrestler, but yeah, he's a, a tricky one. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, Dan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, another World War Three recap follows. Thankfully, it's the last one because yeah. they haven't got much airtime left. And then we get the Faces of Fear taking on Harlem Heat. It, it's a it's a decent enough contest in in the yeah, aspect of you. Yeah, they, well, it's what I was going to say. You got Harlem Heat. You're a big deal. The Faces of Fear almost feel that they never let you down, but they're never spectacular i mean i would never put on a pay-per-view for a faces of fear match but when it comes on i think to myself okay that was all right this doesn't feel like something that they could be saying oh and our main event at the start of the show is is this because yeah. it makes me think well, are people really going to hang around to see that you know it makes me think that this, this on i don't i mean i don't know but it makes me think the second hour was the um unopposed hour right yeah i could be okay wrong. I, I mean, yeah, again, I, I'd have to check. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. it could well uh, be. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't sell seats by saying the main event is Harlem Heat versus Mega the Barbarian, really, would you? Nah. Let's face it. <laughs> but it, considering it, it went for the ground title of four minutes, mm. and it, it sort of alluded to Harlem Heat's match with the French Canadians and sort of Sherry versus Parker, and I I bloody love Sensational Sherry. I think she is so match, good. So she should, for me, Mount Rushmore of managers. She's on that mm. that list, absolutely. Um, but four minutes exactly was the time for this match. Right, yeah. Four minutes for a main event. Not great, really, is it? I mean, I, but not. then again, that was, the, that was the, 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 the blueprint for Raw, wasn't it? They'd have the big matches at the start, the slightly longer ones, the workhorse matches, and the main events would be squashes. Yeah. And 
that it makes me think that the second hour was on a post be a four minutes for that and then oh who comes back to run in at the end the nwo w which from a viewpoint of bischoff's 30 day thing that made sense from the fact that uh harlem heat were in line for a title shot against hall and nash that also made sense that they beat him up but it's just like uh you could have had another five minutes maybe <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. But on the uh, playing devil's advocate here, I, I don't see masses of star appeal in the faces of fear. No. Harlem, no. Harlem Heat, the star appeals Booker T, and he's not at that level yet. So going off air, the last thing you see is Bischoff Hall, Nash, the NWO logos everywhere, and so on. Probably yeah. a better, a, you know, better final shot to go off air with than the faces of fear or, or whatever. I, I would yeah. guess anyway. But, yeah. but there we go. Yeah, the match ends in a, in a effectively no contest. I would assume. Anyway, I don't think we're actually told. But there we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that ends the show. Uh, I suppose then, for the first time, Ben, we better give our summaries together of this episode of Nitro, and also give our high points and our low points, our woos and our oh brothers before we rate it overall. Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Do you want to go first or second, my friend? I will go second, please. Okay, no problem. I will begin with my O brother because I like to try and finish on something positive. Uh, the constant World War Three recaps piss me off. Um, if you haven't got the talent working the show for whatever reason, there's a lot of people on the bill for the pay-per-view. I don't know, whatever. Fair enough, but if you must fill time, then you must be able to do something, have a different interview segment, have uh, longer periods for certain matches that needed it. The constant recaps were not necessary and just overkill. And it just felt you know, like it was just killing time for the sake of killing time. Um, my woo, my plus point, uh, <laughs> it's a difficult one to pick. But I'm <laughs> going to go with Eric Bischoff's promo because I thought he did really well there. I thought it was a great promo. The 30, con- the 30 days contract thing I thought worked well. They were either with us or against us and so on worked well. And even though it's still very early days, it's only been a week or two he's been in this role, you can really see the Bischoff NWO character already developing there. So that that's for me. Um, I won't give my final rating until after you've done your woos and no brothers, mate. So what are your thoughts? Well, I'll follow your lead by doing the O Brother first and ending on a good note. The, the O Brother one for me... Uh, I, agree, I mean, I agree with yours. The eye brother is the back world turn. It irritated me. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it, it, irritated, it could have been done and meant so much more. It, it, it's just, you know, a glorified mid-carder coming out to join the NWM. Okay, it could have been mm. someone bigger. Or it could have meant more. Uh, and it just made me cross. For a woo moment, I, I've struggled to find one, if I'm honest. But my pick, <laughs> my, my, my pick is the DDP interview. Ah, okay. Uh, because it, it it just made me laugh. But in a good way, in a sense that actually this, you're seeing glimmers of DDP as we know him. Uh, and it was just so blasé about it. And so just like, yeah. It's almost he's going for the anti-hero stage as well. Yeah, uh, and I, I love that element of that. That's really showcased an individual that wasn't in the NWO, and to me, that's yeah. good. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, then hit miss or middling. Where are we? Where are we ending? Where are we lying? I've got to go miss. 
I mean, it's a big miss for me as well. Gotta go miss. And <laughs> you, when you, when we've been talking about restarting this this show, me coming on, I see, oh, there's loads of great stuff going on. It's great. And then I watched it and I just texted you. I was like, it's really shit, Si. Yeah. I was, oh, sat, I was sat there and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I even said to you, I said, my favourite segment is an interview. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's going to be a roller coaster because there's some great history, great moments, but there's a lot of shit as well. So this is yeah. going to be an interesting uh, you know, project to have you on board. But it's a miss for me as well. It just it just felt so throwaway and for a nitro straight after a big event like world war three, where a member of the NWO has won a title shot against Hogan, who is the champion and also a member of the NWO. Yeah. Luger has, you know, the stuff going on with sting well, the sting stuff itself and all, there's so much going on. You could easily have not watched this episode of nitro and not missed anything. So it's just so throwaway and so just a waste, an absolute waste of two hours of television. And yeah. uh, it's a, I think that's a real shame. But there we go. Happy days on your first Nitro Nights, my friend. <laughs> uh, before we depart then, Ben, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find your good self online and anything you are involved in, please? Thank you very much. Yeah, you can find me on uh, many on Twitter at largely speaking. Uh, I, I talk a lot of rubbish on on Twitter in general, and retweets and pretty stupid stuff. Um, I'm also part of Randomizers. I better say about as well. Uh, Randomizers is has been on a bit of a hiatus as well, but is now back and is available on all the social media networks at Randomizers uh, and wherever you get your podcasts from. So please give me a like, give me a follow, and just see me I, I get very argumentative about stuff on there as well <laughs> uh, yeah so that's that's coming back after a, a bit of a hiatus for a new season and uh, it's just a solo pod now going forward uh so yeah that's where you can find me lovely stuff mate lovely stuff uh, anything i'm involved in you can find by the network that carries this show and that's at sjp world media and that's on facebook twitter spotify apple youtube all the places everywhere. You find your everywhere indeed uh you can also find the show itself most importantly on facebook and twitter at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights and a big shout out as well to the wrestling encyclopedia himself scottish danny who you can find on twitter at scottish juggalo and he will be returning to nitro nights with us at some point in the future danny we love you can't wait to have you along with us for more i was gonna say nitro craziness but on the aspect of this show nitro shite there we go I will speak to you again very soon Ben see you man and to everyone else as always thank you for listening you're next <laughs>